you know, if a whole company is a pie, then each slice of pie is a share of stock. So each share of stock has value, and that changes from day to day depending on what people are willing to buy it for and what people are willing to sell it for. And and if more people are trying to buy up shares of a company that are willing to sell it, then the price goes up and vice versa. Welcome to the Raising Confident Teens podcast, where we talk about life and leadership with teens and their parents. I'm Rachel, and I don't have a co-host today with me, believe it or not. Uh, Hudson was really wanting to co-host this one, but he came down with a sore throat, and he doesn't feel good. Uh, Rebecca's also got a sore throat, and Jenna is out of town playing softball. But I do have a great guest on today, Luke Villerman, author of The Teenager's Guide to Investing in the Stock Market. Luke became interested in the stock market when he was in middle school, and he got a job at the age of 15 just so he could earn money to open up a retirement account. And during the pandemic, he decided to write this book to help teens get started investing. Thanks for coming on the show today, Luke. Thanks, Rachel. Happy to be here. Keith and I were just discussing a little while ago, did you know that Newton invented calculus during a quarantine in the late 1600s? <laughs> I did not know that. Actually, I might have learned that at some point, but... <laughs> I didn't know that. Wow. But Keith is into that kind of stuff. So uh, the Black Plague apparently had a quarantine where people didn't get out i guess i don't know <laughs> you had to find something to do huh and so he invented calculus that was his year of wonder i think is what they called it he invented all kinds <laughs> of stuff so tell us a little bit about yourself how did you get started in investing sure so um you know i'd say that really my my parents uh, were very influential and just sparking my interest. I think it probably started in elementary school. We had, I remember we had a, a social studies fair in fifth grade and my father suggested that I focus my project on comparing investment returns of, of three different things, of stocks, bonds, and what they call uh, CDs, certificates of deposit. And so he guided me through the thought process and, and comparing the historical returns of each uh, different investment. And I think I fell in love with stocks because not only were they the, the best performing over that time period, I guess, whatever I had chosen, but it was, it was a lot of fun to me to be able to pick companies that I liked and, and follow them. So I, I remember PetSmart being one of my favorites because I had a lot of pets. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of how I got started with that, uh, that social studies fair project. That's interesting. So what do, what do your parents do for a living? Do, do they work in the financial realm or? No. Well, my mom's recently retired. Uh, she was a high school science teacher and, and my dad is a law enforcement officer. They both live back in my hometown in Louisiana. So uh, not very, um, no, no formal finance education is what I'd say or our career path. I he think, just taught uh, himself, self-taught. Yeah, I think he listened to a lot of Dave Ramsey too, and that uh, that helped. <laughs> That's awesome. So, why is investing important? Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah, I, you know, I think investing is important for people in any stage of life, right? But people who have 
more time to let their investments sit before they use them have a huge advantage. And, and so you want to invest because you want to have more in the future than you have now. I mean, that's the, that's the concept of, of investing, right? right? But because of compounding and, and what compounding is over time, the, the, I guess the returns that you get from investing get larger and larger the, the, the longer you have an investment. Does that make sense? Can you explain what compounding is? Sure. So, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to describe without without numbers in particular. But I'd say, like, in essence, it, when you have an investment, the, the money that your investment makes makes money, which then makes more money, which makes more money, and and so on. And this happens year after year. You have an illustration in your book called, about the cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the cheeseburger rule. Right. Explain that rule to us. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I th- I came up with this um, really to help visualize compounding, but also in combination with opportunity costs. So if you indulge in something now that that I may not really need, you're you're giving up something else in the future. So there's some assumptions that I built into like one of the examples in, in my book, but you know, if I spend $20 on a burger loaded fries and a shake today, and I'm taking something like $900 from my future self 40 years down the line. So, so basically the question to ask yourself is you know, what does $20 grow to if I instead put it in the stock market today? Right. And so it's trying to show that time is, the most powerful tool that young adults, teenagers have, and, and you really can't let it go to waste. All right. So for for the people that aren't familiar with the stock market, can you explain what a stock is? Yeah, you could probably, honestly, uh, Investopedia or, or Google can probably say it better than me, but uh, I'd, I'd describe stock as just simply ownership in a company. So, you know, if a whole company is a pie, then each slice of pie is a share of stock. So each share of stock has value and that changes from day to day, depending on what people are willing to buy it for and what people are willing to sell it for. Right. And, and if more people are trying to buy up shares of a company that are willing to sell it, then the price goes up and vice versa. All right. That's a good explanation. So like if, if everybody's really liking chocolate peanut butter pie, then the price is going to go up because there's not going to be enough for everybody to eat. That's exactly right. And that's a good, that's a good way of looking at it. So there are different ways we could buy stock, right? Uh huh. So what are some of those ways that we can buy stock? Yeah. So in, Recent years, uh, with the advent of new technology, online brokerage accounts have become very popular. You used to have to pick up a phone and dial your broker to to physically make that transaction because they were the only ones who, who could do it. But now we've kind of, we haven't eliminated it, but it transformed the broker, if you will, to uh, 
to be online. So uh, it's computers that are doing all of the matchmaking. Um, and so you can open an online account and put your money in and, and tell that online bank uh, where to invest your money. And you can buy shares, sell shares, uh, and do a lot of other more complicated investing things all, all online. So anybody can do that. It doesn't matter how old they are. That's correct. They'll uh, they'll let you open one up. Of course, you have to fill in some information, but because uh, the IRS is going to want to know who you are. Um, but yeah, it's easy. Do you have to have if you're a minor? Do you have to have like a custodian or something or? A... Yes, you do. So um, and and this shouldn't be a deterrent. I, I hope to anyone. I mean, it, it's super easy. Can be done completely online on like i said any major major brokerage so like fidelity e-trade td ameritrade there's lots of them and i did it when i was 15 and, and that was a, a while back so i think they've probably streamlined it a little bit since then but they'll need a, a parent or a guardian to help them set it up because uh most places will label it like you said as a custodial account at least until they're 18 and then it'll roll over so you'll need like parent social security number, addresses, and, and stuff like that. So when you first opened your first, you did your first stock purchase, did you do it like through a 401k or a Roth, or did you go just through a regular? I did it through a Roth, Roth IRA, um, which is, I think, very powerful uh, as I, I kind of walk through in my book because it, you have tons of tax advantages. You could be losing out on on a lot of at retirement. I, you know, it is a it is an account that's meant to be held until retirement. But but you could be losing out on quite a bit of money if you just open a regular old account instead of a Roth IRA. Uh, so so that's my preferred way to invest. Of course, I, I have different accounts, but the Roth is so powerful because you put it in after tax, right? And so you've already paid the tax on it. That's exactly right. So it's so powerful for a teenager because teenagers don't really pay tax unless they're <laughs> self-employed. Pretty much all your tax that you pay as a teenager, the first 12,000 you get, uh, you're not taxed on federal tax. So the power of investing in a Roth IRA for a teenager is you're taxed on it, but you're not really taxed on it. <laughs> That's exactly right. I mean, you know, the, the concept of, of the Roth is that you pay the tax now and you don't have to pay it later. And like you said, when you're when you're young, uh, <laughs> you're, you're not going to be expected to pay that much anyway, most likely because of your income. Of course, you always want to run that through a certified tax planner. But, uh, you know, that, that's why it's very powerful when you're in your younger years. So a lot of other people use 401ks. It's another mm -hmm. powerful way to grow your retirement. The Roth and the 401k. The 401k is is not taxed at all. It comes out of your paycheck before taxes. So you'll pay taxes when you take it out of retirement, but you're actually getting all the gain of what you would have been taxed building up. So that's also cool. They're both pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly right. And there actually are Roth 401ks that you can do as well. I guess it depends on, on the 
account plan and the broker that your employer uses, but I think they've become increasingly I guess, used as, as an option out there. So the, are those taxed before or when at re- withdrawal? If it's a Roth they, 401k? They are a Roth 401k. You'll be paying the tax now. Um, yeah. So it's it's not tax deductible as a traditional 401k would be. Right. So it's basically just a regular Roth, right? Yes. Very similar. Okay. <laughs> very similar. Okay. So do you have to put in a minimum amount of money for any of these retirement accounts? So <laughs> there's no minimum. Uh, there are maximums depending on, on how much money you earn. And, and there is uh, a limit in, in that you can only put money into a Roth IRA, for example, uh, that is earned. So it has to be earned income and that's as the IRS defines it. Uh, so no minimums, uh, but, but there are some maximums. Right. So it can't be, I worked for my mom and dad mowing the grass necessarily. Like your, your parents can't pay you a hundred dollars to go do, you know, it has to be reasonable work. I mean, you could work for your neighbors and take a picture of the check or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'd say again, just making sure that uh, talking to a tax consultant for sure. But I mean, yeah, in general for things like that, I, uh, you definitely want to have a paper trail of of thing of of payments and this and that, right? Which I know can be difficult to have in in a lot of jobs that teenagers might work in. Right. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So, what would you suggest? Okay. So, if if I'm a teenager and I go and get a job at a grocery store or the hardware store or something, my first job, um, mm-hmm. and they have 401k match, would it be better? to do the match first and then do the Roth or would it be better? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think most financial advisors would say that if your employer offers that 401k match, then you want to contribute the minimum, at least the minimum needed to get their maximum match amount, if that makes sense. So it's an immediate 100% return on your investment. Right. So it's basically they're giving you free money right? to add to your pot. Add to your exactly. retirement account. So you definitely want to max that out. You get you get you get the minimum you need for the match, and then go to the Roth, and then you can go back and get to the max. Right, and and if that sounds confusing, the reason I do it is because my four hundred one k that I have through work has limited investment options. So, you know, this the strategies that I want to use in my investments. And, and the fees that I want to pay because stuck with a 401k plan. I mean, of course you, you definitely want to invest, but there's, there's, there's going to be fees that, that, that provider is usually taking out. So I max up to my, my 401k match and then uh, go over to the Roth from there. Right. So do, do I have, do I have to contribute monthly or can I do it in a lump sum? No, I mean, you can do it. Uh, however you want. Um, so I'd say in general, though, you know, when you put your entire, say you have a set amount that you want to put in for the year, if you put it all into the stock market at once, you could be risking gains if you invest while the market's very high. So that means that you're overpaying for the stock you buy. And I mean, 
honestly the opposite could apply too you could get lucky right and right. and you could be buying at a dip but you'll never know at the time so right. <laughs> unless right. you could see into the future so what i like to do is i put in my contribution uh, to my roth every month and that way i i know it's averaging out right that's that's how people win with the stock market long term is the, yes. is the fact that they're consistently putting money in and it just all averages out consistency is key yeah if you try and time it not only will you stress yourself out but there's no way you can predict if you could then more people would be doing that but nobody's <laughs> been able to really do that well so another thing that i that i have heard recently um i was reading a story and this person said that a friend of hers had been telling her about her 401k and she said I've had it for 10 years and it's the same amount it was, it's, it hasn't grown at all. And the lady was like, well, did you buy the funds after you opened the account? And she was like, what? Oh, she, no. she didn't realize once you open the account, you have to go in and pick what you want, right? So that is a very important point that now I'm telling everybody, <laughs> make, sure you, make sure you buy the funds. Oh yeah, I mean, once you transfer money into accounts, I mean, in most accounts, you know, it's just going to be sitting as cash, and like you said, that's probably not what you want. You want stock market returns, not just old savings uh, interest rates, right? <laughs> Which right. are very low right now. Uh, so you have to place trades on the online account to actually turn that cash into shares of stock. Right. So another another point I was thinking about uh, with the Roth. You know, you can only use earned income, but you might be working a job and you, you might be saving for a car or saving for college or your parents expect you to buy clothes. So maybe you could make a deal with your parents or your grandparents. Hey, will you match what I, will you match what I have, I'm going to put in there, see if they, see if they're open to it. Um <laughs> Don't say, Rachel said you need to match, but, but they might be open to that. As long as you don't have more in there than you've earned. It doesn't all have to be from you, but as long as it's not more than you earned. Exactly. If it's, it's in the kid's name, uh, you definitely want to be able to show to the IRS that you've, they've earned that money, right? But right. Uh, yeah, I, I've heard of, of people out there that do that. Basically, like if your kid earns that money, $2,500, let's say, lifeguarding over the summer, but you want to let them use that money for something else, like you said, saving a car, for a car, going to college, then they can just put that into the Roth IRA on their behalf and let them keep it. But I think I think the way I would do it is I would encourage them to put the money that they made into the account as they make it and then choose their investments. And then I would match that $2,500, for example, into their regular bank account. I don't have kids, but if and when mm -hmm. I do, I think that's probably the way I'll do it. So that way they're more engaged in the right. investing process, you know, and, and they have the incentive to earn as much money as possible at work. Right. Yeah, that's good. That's another good way of doing it. Can you explain why single stocks are not as good as funds? Like if I just wanted to go out and pick out, oh, I like this one and I like this one. I mean, there's a place for that. I mean, some people like to do that because it's fun, but it shouldn't be your whole investment strategy. Exactly. I mean, lots of people do make money 
you know, investing a large percentage of their total portfolio into single stocks or a handful of stocks, but you know, people lose money doing that too because there's there's more risk involved. You you naturally get more diversification when you invest in a large pool or a basically a fund that invests in a lot of different stocks. So, I mean, if, if your kid's just getting their feet wet with investing, then I'd probably opt for a mutual fund or an ETF, um, which, like I said, a bunch of stocks pulled together for that diversification. Or, I mean, you could put, say, half of your account into funds like that, and then the other half could be individual stocks, because in my opinion, it's more fun to do that. You could handpick them uh, <laughs> after after you research them, kind of like my social studies fair project <laughs> back in the day. But uh, you know, the key there is just you you gotta make sure you do your research, and you gotta know what you're buying because it's it's riskier. So I'd say if you're going to invest in a in a fund like a, like a mutual fund or an ETF that pools a bunch of stocks together, then I'd still make sure to research things like the historical performance of the fund, the average annual return, what's it made over the past 5, 10, 15 years. I'd look at the fees, which is usually listed as, uh, if you look online at like the page for the, the fund, uh, it'll be listed as the expense ratio. And that's the percent of your money that goes to fees every year. So you definitely want to keep that low. I don't like anything above 0.5% and certainly not over 1%. And then what what companies is it investing in, right? What what diversification does it have? So those are the things that I would, uh, you know, at a minimum look at when you're going to put your money into funds and then individual stocks, uh, even more involved. You want to make sure that you're understanding the, the leadership in the company, the company's vision, its earnings and on and on, I kind of go on in the in the book, <laughs> but uh, y- you definitely want to do your research, right? Right. Can you give us some scenarios, um, an example of if I invest a hundred dollars a month, as soon as I get my first job, how much would I have in fifty years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got a number of these. Kind of, I did the math on for the book. Uh, it's all hypothetical stuff, right? But if you look at the historical average return of the stock market, which is about 9.7% every year, and, and you're putting in, say, $100 every month. And then after 50 years of that, you're looking at about $1.5 million. Right. Just from $100 a month. Right. And, the, and, and another way that I, I like to put it is, I mean, say you start at age 18 and, and you invest... Uh, the maximum amount that you can put into your IRA by age uh, 60, which is the the retirement age. I mean, you're looking at probably, let's see, two and a half million dollars or so by then, three million dollars. So it's a big impact when you have time to compound. Right. If you, if you wait till you start, if you wait to start till you're older, which is what most people do, What's the average age pe- most people start? Do you know? 31 years old. 31 According years old. to a study that I read the other day. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that's probably true. So so we fall into the trap of the when I's. I'll start when I graduate 
from high school or when I graduate from college or let me get married first and then I'll start or when I pay off my student loans and then it's like when I get a raise and then we never get around to doing it. Uh, and then we lose the power of all that compounding that would have happened the 10 years that we missed, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's tons of opportunity costs, right? It's ignore. I mean, it's, it's, at some point you just have to scrap up all the cash you can, right? To at least put in something, even if it's a little bit, I mean, these brokerages online are letting you invest in, in fractional shares of stock now. So, I mean, you could put a dollar into one company if you wanted to. So, right. I, yeah, it's, let's it's, talk about Acorns a little bit. Can, are you familiar yeah. with Acorns? I've never used it, but uh, yeah, I'm familiar with it. Uh, I was talking to someone the other day who actually uh, really likes it a lot. So that's an easy way for, for a young person who doesn't, it rounds up, right? Like you go to buy something. Right. My understanding, yeah, my understanding is is like it's uh, you save money by spending money almost. They, they put the change, like you said, they round up. They put the change into your account automatically, like a transfer in, into your investment account, uh, which is kind of cool. Yeah. It's kind of like when you go to the grocery store and they say, would you like to donate, you know, a dollar to the children's hospital or whatever on your, on your, it's, it's almost effortless because it doesn't require a lot of effort. That's what I guess I'm saying. Yeah. It's set it and forget it. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, mo for the most part. Right. It's like, it's like somebody who comes in and dumps all their change. People don't do this anymore so much, but come out at the end of the day and throw all their change into the jar. And then at the end of the year, they take it and do something fun with it. It's kind of like that. It, if you do it a little bit at a time, it doesn't hurt as much. And the power of, a teenager learning about this is the problem if you wait until you're in your 30s to start investing is you've already your income and your budget are already pretty much the same you, you'll spend whatever you're making <laughs> so then you don't have the 10 percent or whatever or whatever percent you decide to put you're going to have to like cut back on your lifestyle but if you start at the beginning when you're young and you're already used to giving 10% to, to, into your retirement, then you're used to living on 90% and the, it, it's going to be so much easier when you go to buy a house, when you, when you go to buy a car, you, you already know this part I don't mess with. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's like lifestyle creep is a yes. thing. You know, as you, as you make more and more money, you, you, you get used to spending that money, but right. uh, yeah. It's a good point. Everybody feels like they have an income problem. And some people do. Some people are underemployed. But everybody says I don't make enough, but they're all making different amounts. You know, they're making fifty thousand, they're making seventy five, they're making a hundred thousand. They all have different amounts of kids, you know. So how can they all have the same problem? It's because they let their lifestyle expand to fit their income and there's no wiggle room. There's no I didn't set anything aside for retirement or emergencies or, or whatever that is. So if you can learn this now when you're young, well, it will be so much more powerful for you and, and your life will be a lot less stressful. I completely agree. It's huge. I mean, you get in the habit now, you make it a part of the budget, you pay yourself first. I think I've heard people phrase it that way. Um, 
and you save and invest and, and it becomes part of the budget, then you'll definitely thank yourself later. Yeah. You'll write a letter to your, to your past self and say, man, you're my best friend. <laughs> we also though, don't want to get so singularly focused on, Oh, I've got to save everything for retirement that we become hermits and don't enjoy our life. So you've got to find the balance of, of living your life now, but also preparing for the future. Yeah. I mean, like you said, <laughs> life is about balance. So, I mean, going back to the cheeseburger rule, the, the points just to keep it in mind, I don't think of it every time I'm out and about, but uh, you just want to be aware of the decisions you make on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. You, you don't want to feel guilty every time you go out to eat a cheeseburger that I could have been putting this aside for my retirement because sometimes you have money for entertainment or, you know, hanging out with your friends, whatever it might be. But maybe if you give up one cheeseburger every couple of weeks, you know, it's not as painful as giving up exactly. all your cheeseburgers. <laughs> you know, I still spend money on travel, eating out, you know, new clothes, but I'd sure spend a lot more if I wasn't aware of the power of compounding, right? Right. <laughs> if I, if I wasn't, you know, aware of, of, of how much money the, the money I'm spending now could be worth later. Yeah. I don't have a problem. I, th I think it's great to buy clothes. Well, I don't want naked people running around, but I think it's great to, you know, go on vacations and do all this stuff. But I think it's, we need to be conscious. We just need to make conscious decisions about how we spend our money and know where our money's going. And that will bring more peace into your life too. Cause then you're not so like, am I, did I just spend money on us this shirt when I need that to pay a bill? And a lot of people live in that, live in that environment yeah. where they, where they don't know anything about their money. They are just trying to get by. And that's the power of a budget, right? I mean, if I love Excel, I love spreadsheets. Maybe it's my engineering background, but I, or the corporate job, I don't know, but I, I love Excel and I, I budget every year i have a, an annual process where i go through and i list out all my income sources and all of my you know where the money's going where it's going out and i think that when you go in and you compare to to what you actually spent um that's another thing i'd, I'd say is it's good to, to actually track it versus your budget right um i think that uh you kind of hold yourself accountable right yeah just think if, you know, if we ran a business the way we run our personal finances, where would that business end up? It might not be Fair. doing very well. Yeah. You can't keep, you can't keep running the budget like that for, for long periods of time. So I, th I thank you so much for, do you have anything else you could think of Luke? Would you like to share? I mean, I, I guess the, the only thing that I just want to, I guess, close out on would, would say, you know, that the average teen doesn't have the capital or the credit to build wealth, you know, through real estate or, or start their own business, you know, but they do have time, which is such a valuable resource. And with the stock market, they can use an online account to literally own any public company in the world and, and build wealth through them with compounded returns. And so, uh, you know, just, just to hit home and, and show that, you know, there's, there's so much to lose if you don't start as soon as possible. Yes. It is easy to get overwhelmed 
if you if you start researching this stuff, it, it can be easy to get overwhelmed and be like, I'm so overwhelmed that I'm not even going to start. So I think if you're in that position, just just take a step, just to set up an account, maybe look for something that where you're not having to do a lot of the work, maybe target date funds or is something that some people use it like you put the date in that you you plan on retiring and it it kind of selects for you the mix that you need whether it be more aggressive or more what's the word <laughs> what's the word luke uh risk averse <laughs> when you get older less, less more risky secure. more conservative more, more conservative. conservative yeah the older you get the more conservative it gets because you, you don't want to lose it when you get older so maybe that maybe that would be a good way to start um just and just start becoming a learn becoming a learner and you know pick up a book pick up two or three books go to the library start reading because i mean it could it could ch totally change your future if you uh just take a few hours and read a book about it like it did luke's Right. That's exactly right. And I mean, Investopedia is a huge resource and you know, there's there's lots of investment terms, concepts out there that get complex that, you know, when I'm reading the news one day and I want to learn more about something, I'm going to Google or, or Investopedia and, and they I think they do a good job of dumbing it down and and throwing everything out there that you need. So, you know, you've got a lot of resources out there. When I was a kid, you know, we didn't have the internet really. Uh, nowadays, you can look up most anything you want to learn. YouTube. I would like to say though, you probably should run anything by your parents before you buy it. And Luke and I are not investment professionals. We're just, we're just people who want to help kids and want to help their parents. And inspire you to start saving for retirement ASAP. <laughs> right. Uh, where can people find you at, Luke? Sure. So um, my my book's available on Amazon. If you'd, if you'd like to learn more uh, about stock market or step by step guide to to investing, and and I'm available on email, which is uh, investnow.playlater at gmail.com. That's awesome. And we'll put the links to that in our show notes. Thank you so much for coming on today, Luke. We really appreciate all the advice you've given us. Thank you for having me. If you like our content, please tell your friends and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast player. The more that people do this, the more the algorithm shares it with others and the more people we can help. Parents, we would love to have you join us over in our free private Facebook group. You can find us by searching for Raising Confident Teens Community. Make sure you put the word community in there, otherwise you're just going to see our business page. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope you have a great week.